Hello, and welcome to the Church on the Hill podcast. If you enjoy this podcast, we invite you to join us live this Sunday at 500 Sands Drive in San Jose, California. Visit churchonthehill.com for service times and directions, and also to learn more about connecting, growing, and serving at Church on the Hill. Now let's join lead pastor Scott Simarok as he teaches at Church on the Hill. Well, today we're in week two of a, of a three-week series uh, that no one wants to hear. It's called The Power of Forgiveness. <laughs> and it's probably the most unpopular message uh, that we could probably preach. Because there's expectations that go with it, right? Like, oh, hey, the power of forgiveness. And you're going, oh, the expectation then is that you're going to forgive. Good, you were here last week because that was a really complicated question. <laughs> or I mean, the power of forgiveness means this. It, that means the expectation is that maybe if I've done something wrong to offend somebody, hurt somebody, that I, I need to apologize, right? And so it might be the most unpopular um, message series, but I think, my opinion, it's the most needed message in the church today. And it can be the most transformational message in the church today. And I have no idea what is going wrong with my iPad right now, but that's okay. There we go. Um, I think it'd be the absolute most transformational message in the church today because of this. We have a lot of unforgiveness that goes on in church, in family, with extended friends, right? So here's what we're going to do today. Let's talk about the power of forgiveness. We're in week two of this. The first week was on this. It's building a culture of expectation about forgiveness. The culture is this. We're not very good at it, right? Things go wrong and we hold grudges. (laughs) But the expectation is that we forgive. So I was wondering this. When it comes to forgiveness, I wonder if we've, I don't know, overcomplicated it a little bit. When it comes to forgiveness, have you ever thought about this? Let me just ask you some questions. What if the other person isn't remorseful? Like, what if they're like, yeah, yeah, you know, I'm really sorry about that. And you're like, how sorry are you? And if they're not that sorry, like, do I need to forgive them? What if they really don't apologize? Do you still forgive them? Should I just let it go and never bring it up to them that I'm hurt? Uh, what if I don't really want to have a relationship with that person or I, I just don't have a relationship with that person in the future? This happened a while ago and, you know, we just don't have a friendship anymore. Like, do I need to bring it up? Now, if I forgive them, does that actually excuse their behavior? Think about that for a minute. Now, here's maybe one maybe you haven't thought of, but maybe you have. Uh, if I don't show them a little bit of a grudge, will they learn their lesson? Right? Maybe you started dating someone. You're like on the third, fourth, fifth date, and they're late, right? If you don't show a little bit of a grudge, a little bit of, mm, then they're just going to keep behaving that way. And he's a, he, that guy's in training, right? I'm training him for a future relationship with me. You're training her, right? And if I don't hold a little bit of a grudge, will they ever change? So we're going to talk today about the process of actually forgiving somebody. Now, I put two great resources in your notes. Look at the very, very back. Henry Cloud writes this book called Trust. And uh, if this is probably one of your issues where what's after forgiveness, we're going to talk about trust next week. Many of you heard about Henry Cloud. You might not know much about the next author, Dr. Robert Enright. He writes this book. He writes a lot of books. 
One of them is called The Eight Keys to Forgiveness. I've got it on my shelf. You can borrow either one of those books. Um, He's considered the grandfather of psychological research on forgiveness. Time Magazine called him the forgiveness trailblazer. Um, Here's why. In the middle of the 20th century, there was zero psychological research on forgiveness. You know why? It was a religious thing. It wasn't a, hey, if you do this, it's really good for your soul. Like, there was no psychological research on it. So he was the trailblazer in this, and it was personal to him. He had to forgive someone for causing a death in his family. And so he knows firsthand the power of forgiveness. So I put those resources in there. If you want to dig deeper, you're welcome to. I want to start with this, though. You would think it's an easy question. Like, what's forgiveness? If you actually Googled what's forgiveness, you're going to come up with all kinds of answers. I'm going to give you three. And it's not three separate definitions. It's three elements that make up what is forgiveness. Here's the first one. It's about transferring debt. The person who hurt you, you're going to transfer their debt. Now, you probably heard this, and I've said it before. You're canceling their debt. They don't owe you anything. You're not going to get back at them. Uh, they, they don't owe you any, not an apology. I, I'm just forgiving you. I'm canceling your debt. It's true, but it's a little bit off. Transferring their debt means this. The wrong you did to me and the pain that I feel, your sin against me, I'm not just canceling it because that lacks justice. I'm going to take the wrong you did and place it where it belongs, on the cross. Because Jesus, when he died, didn't die for some people's sins. He died for the sins of the world. So you're saying this, I'm gonna take the wrong that you did, I'm gonna cancel it by transferring it to Jesus on the cross. Now, Romans 12, 19 says this, do not repay anyone evil for evil. Do not take revenge. That means this, I hold nothing against you. I'm not gonna get you back. I'm not going to hold it against you. I forgive you. You owe me nothing. Now, it's interesting because it goes on to say, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge. I will repay, says the Lord. So forgiveness is this, like I'm transferring all that to Jesus. I'm going to let him handle it. If he wants to take a little bit of revenge, that's up to him, not me. And some of you are like, "Mm, okay, good, amen. (laughs) Here's the second part, and it gets harder. Because actually, that's the easy part. What is forgiveness? The second step, it goes further. It's about redefining their identity. The person who hurt you, have you ever had this thought? Well, they hurt me because they're an idiot. They hurt me because they're bad. They're dumb. Or maybe they're evil. And we've characterized them a certain way. Our view, though, in forgiveness has to shift from them being bad to them being weak or broken or or hurt. Why did they do what they did? Well, because there's something messed up in them. Instead of calling them evil, what if we look at them and go, listen, they're hurting people. They're hurting me because in the past, someone has hurt them. They learned that from someone. There's this scripture in Romans 3.10. And by the way, I'm going to be all over the scriptures today. So you can look in your notes. Uh, I'm not going to, there's, this message is going to be so dense that um, if you just look in your notes, that'll, that'll be good enough for today. Romans 3.10 states this. 
There is no one righteous, including you and me. Not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. The forgiveness you got from God, if you're a follower of Jesus, you're a Christian, you didn't earn it. You didn't go looking for it. Jesus dies on the cross and he looks around and he goes, no one is asking for God. I'm gonna die on the cross for your good. The point is this, is we didn't get forgiveness by how great we were or our pursuit of God. God looked at us and he's like, you're lost and you're broken. But then it's interesting, in the book of James, it talks about how we get into sin and the process of our sin. I want you to listen to this. But each person is tempted when they're dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. So this is how you sin. This is, this is amazing. Like, oh, great, we're in church. He's telling me how I sin. You have a, a thought, a temptation. And that thought somehow drags you from this desire, entices you. Then it says, then after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. So you act on it. And sin, when it's full blown, gives birth to death. Like, there's just this process. It begins in your mind. It works out through your body. And, and all of a sudden, you are deep in it. Here's the point. We can define you as evil and bad and horrible, but you wouldn't define yourself that way. Listen, I'm broken, I'm lost, and I'm weak. There's a very big difference in this. It doesn't excuse what someone does to you, but it reminds you that you're just like they are. No, 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 hold on, hold on. Because if you've ever been victimized in such a big way to hear that you are just like them, like, I want to be really careful with that. You didn't do what they did. Maybe you've never done something like that. It's so horrible. But I just, I want you to hear this, that the entire world is not a seeker of God. You weren't. I wasn't. It is only by God's mercy and grace that any of us were saved. So I just want us to be careful as we approach this forgiveness concept that maybe we're up here and those people are so far down there. But we all row the common boat of we're all broken and we're all lost at some point. And so it really is this. It's about redefining their identity, which leads to this extended sympathy. And it means this. This is an unbelievable statement that's challenging to live up to. Romans 12. If your enemy's hungry, feed him. And if he's thirsty, give him something to drink. By the way, what does it mean that they're your enemy? It means that they're hurting you. They're against you. They're opposing you. They want to harm you. Well, that's, that's an offender, right? If that's them, give them something to drink. In doing this, you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not overcome evil. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. When you start to see your enemy not as evil, but as broken, as a wounded person, you're actually equipped to extend them some kind of sympathy. What, what, what does this mean um, to heap burning coals on their head? It sounds awesome, right? <laughs> Here's my enemy. Well, let's heap some burning coals on their head. That sounds painful. It sounds just, right? Um, but if you read verse 21, it makes it pretty clear that the point is to do good to them, overcome evil with good. 
So if you start looking this up, this is actually a quote from Proverbs 25, 21. And the, the concept is this, in ancient times, and by the way, if you ever look this up in a commentary, there'll be like four or five or six different definitions of what this, what this actually means. Um, I'll give you what I think is the accurate definition of this to heat burning coals on somebody's head. In ancient times, everybody needed a warm fire. And so a live coal was actually something of value. So that if someone came by to heap a burning coal on their head, if they were carrying something, their container on their head, you're actually giving them a gift. You're not trying to harm them. And the concept means you're doing something kind for someone who doesn't deserve it. And when you do that, an unrepentant person takes on even more shame because you showed kindness when they deserved punishment. Now, in the midst of that, how many of us are ready to go live that out today? Like, let's just stop the sermon right now. All right, who do you need to forgive? Let's all go out. Here's our exercise. You know, beyond the, the action items you just got from Dave about downloading an app, right? Woohoo! Like, I know some of you skipped it, but whatever. Let's just go. Here's our one action item. Let's go do something kind to someone who hurt us. If that's what you got from today, then I think you're on the right track. See, it's not just about redefining who they are. It's about extending this forgiveness, redefining, and then extending compassion, generosity, kindness to them. I mean, that's the whole bucket of what forgiveness looks like. So let me answer a couple things because I think we have some false assumptions about forgiveness, okay? Here's the first one. Here's our false assumptions, things that are just, forgiveness isn't ignoring justice, Because if you forgive them, is there any justice in that? Like, are they just going to do this all over again? Let me tell you a quick story. In the book of Exodus, God's people, they mess up big time. You know the story, right? God rescues them from Egypt. They're in the desert. Moses goes up on a mountain for 40 days to meet with God. He's getting the Ten Commandments while he's up there. In those 40 days, the people are like, where'd he go? Like, 40 days is a long time not to have our leader here. And they're wondering, has God abandoned us? So what they decide is this, we really need a God. We should make one. You understand the stupidness of that, right? We really need a God. We need something more powerful than us, something that has universal understanding, wisdom, all-powerful, divine. We should make that. If you made it, it probably ain't divine. And so they take this gold and they make a little baby cow. And they bow down and worship it. And Moses comes down the mountain. He's like, what are you doing? In the moment where people messed up, there's this enormous sin in the camp of God's people. God says, Moses, I'm going to show myself to you. I'm going to give you a description of who I am, and I'm going to pass by you. Listen to his description, okay? This is Exodus 34, 6. And God passed in front of Moses, proclaiming. Here's how he describes himself. Listen, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Aren't you glad? Isn't that amazing? I mean, think about sinful people and here comes God. He's like, oh, I'm compassionate. Let me introduce myself. I'm the gracious God. I'm slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. And aren't you glad? Like, that's the God that you met. And you're like, we clap. Like, yes. But he wasn't done introducing himself. He continues. 
Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Uh Uh-oh. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and the fourth generation. Oh, that's why your kids are the way they are. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) different trail. Um, That's justice. See, you can't take a wrong and just pretend it didn't exist. That lacks justice. But that's the Old Testament. In the New Testament, God takes our sin and places it on Jesus on the cross. So he is not just kind and compassionate, but he takes his justice out on his own son. I tell you that story because when you forgive someone, it doesn't mean that justice doesn't exist. That's why forgiveness is transferring their debt to Jesus. But can I also say this? It doesn't mean that consequences are totally erased. So you can forgive someone and them still have consequences. Example, your kid takes the car without asking, but your kid's 14. They can come to you and be very apologetic for it when they get caught, right? Because if they didn't get caught, they ain't ever telling you about it. But when they get caught, they apologize for it. And you're like, I forgive you. But does that mean there's no consequences? No, they're not getting out of the room till they're 30, right? Can we forgive and yet there's still consequences? Here's a second fallacy, things that we believe that just, just aren't true. Like, I want you to understand, like, forgiveness is not forgetting. You've heard this, right? Listen, forgive and forget, right? Try to forget something. Ready? Go. Seriously, think of something. I can't remember my passwords from last week, right? Yeah, I reset my password. I have no idea. So I have this like device that like remembers all my passwords in one little place, right? I'm just telling you, I'm not going to tell you what they are, all right? I can't remember from last week, but you know what? I can remember something that was said to me or done to me 20 years ago. And I, I forgave it. It's over. Have I forgotten it? No, I can't. Hold on, hold on. I'm going to try. Try to forget something. You can't do it. I, I think what people mean is this. It's about forgiving and then not holding it against that person, holding it over their head, bringing it up again and again when they do something similar to that or like it, right? But I don't think you can actually forget something. You can just choose not to hold it against them. Here's a third thing. Forgiving isn't excusing their behavior. It was wrong. It was, it was just really wrong, <laughs> We're not excusing it because did God excuse our behavior? No, no, no. It was still wrong. We knew it. Did you think that all the things that when God forgave you, that all things you did wrong, you're like, actually, maybe they weren't that bad. No, we realized they were wrong. Fourth, forgiveness isn't reconciling. This is really key. Now, don't get me wrong. Reconciliation, the coming together of the offender and the person offended. Um, Can I just say, I hate the word offended. Because our, we live in a world that like everybody's offended by everything. Sometimes it, they just all got to get over it, right? It, it wasn't against you. A sinner sins against somebody. And oftentimes in this scenario, they're sinning against each other. The hope is that there's reconciliation where relationship is restored, right? But forgiveness is a part of that. But forgiveness doesn't mean that reconciliation has to happen, 
Forgiveness is about the past. Don't miss this. Forgiveness is about the past. Reconciliation is about the future. It's about where the relationship is going to go. And reconciliation requires two people, an offender who is willing to forgive, excuse me, an offender who is remorseful and repentant, and then the hurt person willing to forgive. And at that point, those two people can come together again. Now, you may be wondering, by forgiving, am I open to just being hurt again? Well, yes. Because take a marriage, for example. Were you hurt just once? No, we've all been hurt again and again and again because that's what it means to be open to being loved and loving someone. But forgiveness is about letting go of that past, stepping into the future. Forgiveness doesn't equal trust. Now, the word trust, we're going to talk about that next week, so I'm not going to get farther into it today. Last false assumption is that forgiveness, it's not a single act. Here's what I mean. There's a moment in time you have to state, God, I forgive that person. I'm not going to hold it against them. They owe me nothing. I'm transferring their debt to the cross. It's over. God, I, I, I forgive them. But I think forgiveness and the pain that goes with it, it's kind of like grief. You've heard people talk about grieving. I talked about this a couple of weeks ago about what grieving's like. If you've ever had someone die in your life, particularly unexpectedly. Grief is like waves and it comes unexpectedly. You're like, I thought I was okay, but now I'm experiencing this hurt and this grief all over again. And you just got, you got to deal with it. Forgiveness is like that. When someone has truly hurt you, there's a moment where you're like, I forgive them. And later on down the road, you're like, it, maybe you're alone by yourself driving. All of a sudden that memory comes back. And if you had a heart monitor on your, you, your heart would start beating faster. You're having physical reactions to it, an emotional reaction to it. Yes, forgiveness took place, but we have to remind ourselves again and again when the wave of hurt comes back and that emotion and that thought comes. God, no, no, no. I did something previous to this where I forgave that person. So just in case you forgave somebody and that feeling comes back again and that memory of that hurt comes back again, I, th- I think we got to remind ourselves, it's not a one-time thing. Forgiveness is a journey and a process. Are you okay? So here's what I want to talk about real quick. We're going to end with what is forgiveness as far as like, what are the steps to it? Um, if you ask people, what are the steps to forgiveness? Holy cow. Dr. Robert Enright, you know, the godfather on forgiveness. He has four phases with 20 signposts. We're not going through 20 signposts today, all right? If you ask this other guy who's a great researcher on it, Everett uh, Worthington, he's got five steps that spell reach. Recall the hurt, empathize with your partner, altruistic gift, commit, hold on to forgiveness. I'm not going through his five steps. We're going to look to the scriptures for why we need to forgive in this process of what it looks like. Um, but I do know this, the Bible, the Bible doesn't give us a clear process. You know that? Try it sometime. Look up all the verses on forgiveness you can find and see if there's a process there. You know what you'll hear from the Bible more than anything, like 95% of the time? It's this. Forgiveness isn't an option. Forgiveness, you to each other, it's just mandatory. This is what we talked about last week. 
It's as if God is saying this, listen, there's so many different hurts out there and things that you're gonna be offended by and hurt by that if I gave you a process, you're gonna try and find a way to slip out of the process or, or take a shortcut in it or figure out, oh, you know what? My situation's so different. Forgiveness doesn't apply to me. 95% of the time, the Bible says this, forgive each other. And you're like, what's the process? Listen, figure it out. There's the process, figure it out. Forgiveness is mandatory. There's not a single one of us, if you're a follower of Christ, that can walk out this door and be like, no, 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 I found a loophole. Because the Bible said this, no, figure it out. With that said, I'm dumb enough to try and give you a process, (laughs) all right? Let me talk just a couple things about this. I think the first is this, understand why forgiveness is essential. And there's a lot under here. The first is this, forgiveness frees us from the betrayal. If you've been hurt, you're trapped. There's something going on. Henry Cloud writes this. When you hang on to forgiveness, you're simply a character in someone else's story. Process that for a minute. You're a character in their story of harm. He goes on, but when you forgive, you're free to write your own story. Have you ever had the trouble of getting the conversation out of your head? Like, yeah, there was this conflict at work and this person humiliated me in front of the group. And you're like, next staff meeting, I'm gonna say this. And when they say this, I'm gonna say this. And like, and you can't even stop thinking about it. You're a character in their story. And you're not even free to write your own story. Um, Have you ever heard of the scientific facts about forgiveness? Like what it does to you when you forgive? This isn't even in the Bible. This is what science teaches us because I don't think science and the Bible actually disagree with each other. Listen to this. It improves your mental health decreases rumination. Rumination is that process of running it over and over. Reduces painful and damaging emotions of anger, bitterness, resentment, hatred, hostility. Reduces depression and anxiety. Reduces chronic stress, aids in addiction, recovery. Improves mortality rates. Lowers cholesterol. Increases immune system functioning. Decreases heart disease. Lowers neuroticism. Come on, who who doesn't want to be less neurotic, right? These are good things. Now, most of these problems, though, here's what's interesting. We got a pill for them. Hey, you got a problem, anxiety, depression. And I'm not saying that your depression is necessarily connected to a lack of forgiveness. And listen, physiological, those things happen. But when we don't release, someone's hurt against us. And these are some of the the, the things that can happen to us. We're like, no, 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 there's a pill for that. Or I can forgive them. What do you want to do? Sometimes we try to medicate away our disobedience to God's word. Dang, I should have wrote that down. Sometimes we try to medicate our disobedience to God's word. Dr. Enright writes about the benefits of this forgiveness in our society when it comes to everybody together. It's an obvious fact that we live in a world where violence, hatred, and animosity surround us on all sides. He goes on, we hear much about the social causes of crime, poverty, unemployment, illiteracy, for example. We sometimes hear about the need for tolerance and cooperation and compassion and understanding, but almost never do we hear public leaders declaring their belief that forgiveness can bring people together, heal their wounds, and alleviate the bitterness and resentment caused by wrongdoings. I gotta keep going. Forgiveness is a gift that we give the offender. See, it's a gift to you when you've been wronged. 
But it's actually a gift to the offender. Uh, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 2, there was somebody who did something wrong and they're like, listen, that person in the church done something wrong. Like you've put that person under discipline. And then Paul writes this, the punishment inflicted on him by the majority is sufficient. Now, instead, you ought to forgive and comfort him so that he will not be overwhelmed by excessive sorrow. You've made his sin clear to him. Now forgive him or you're going to make him sorrowful to the point that he will not have joy in his life. It's a, our forgiveness is a gift to them. It's also this, forgiveness is a gift that we give ourselves so the cancer of bitterness doesn't grow in our own souls. I was going to tell you a story related to that from Acts chapter 8. I think I'm just going to skip that for now. I think the second thing is this. If you're going to have a process of forgiveness, the first is realize the benefits of it. The second is this. you got to pause for personal assessment. Just don't, if someone says, I'm sorry, pause for a minute. Like, if you've been hurt, think about what was hurt. Question, how big a deal was it? Was it this big? Was it this big? Are your emotions actually right-sized in this thing? Here's a harder question. What does this experience reveal about you? Okay, you've been hurt. When the opportunity for forgiveness arrives, it might actually reveal a weakness in you. Are you being driven by something unhealthy, the desire for revenge, a grudge? Do you have the lack of ability to trust? Do you have resentment from past experiences? It's not just about that hurt. It's about woundedness that, that was in you even before that. Maybe there's a controlling nature about you. Now, I want to be super, super careful here. Look at me, all of you. Look, balcony too. Um, I want to be careful because if you've been deeply, deeply betrayed, business partner, a marriage, Please don't hear me say that, hey, it's your fault. This isn't about assigning blame. But when you've been wounded, it provides a unique window where you can look into your own soul and ask, God, what, what does this reveal about me? It takes an incredibly mature person to be able to do that. When you do your self-assessment, I want you to ask this question too. How, how healthy are you at the moment? <laughs> are you crazy mad? And I mean both of those words. Are you so mad that you're not thinking clearly? Are you crazy mad? You don't have clarity. Have you been wounded to the point that you really cannot make a decision or you can't see it all in a healthy way? So it leads to this question. What's it going to take to heal? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 12. I've never seen this this way before. It reads this way. Therefore, strengthen your feeble arms and weak knees. So here's, you have, you're weak. You're feeble, you're broken, you're wounded. And it says this, make level paths for your feet. For you in your weakened, broken state, make level paths for the journey forward so that the lame may not be disabled, but rather healed. What does that mean? If you're broken, messed up, hurt over something, you need a safe path in front of you. That means this, you need safe people around you and you need a safe community, a safe place for you to heal up. You walk back into a totally dysfunctional, hurtful relationship without really healing from that first, you're going to get broken even more. So let's pause and do a little self-assessment. 
What happened? Who am I in the midst of this? What does it look like to heal and move forward? Are you with me on this? You okay? Number three, feel the anger and express it appropriately. Ephesians 4.26 says this, be angry. In your anger, don't sin. You mad? You're mad. It's okay to be mad. It's okay to be angry. There used to be this psychological viewpoint that said, uh, this, this philosophy that was like, express your anger. It was like scream therapy. Like you would yell and hit pillows and stuff. And you know what they realized? That just made people matter. <laughs> it didn't actually help. I think expressing our anger is often about verbalizing it. Sometimes not to the person who has harmed us because we just need to vent some stuff. But can I ask you a question about this? Sometimes we just use it as an excuse to just vent. As you genuinely share your hurt in a healthy way, can I ask you this question? Are you actually bleeding off emotion? Bleeding off the hurt? And, and that's good. Bleed it off. Sometimes when we talk about it, it bleeds off the hurt and we become rational again. Or listen to this. I'm going to say, oh, Lord, help, help the ears that hear. <laughs> Or when you speak it, are you just gaining sympathy from people? Yeah, I can't believe they did that to you. That's terrible. And you're gathering people around you who are just caring for you and showing sympathy to you so you keep telling your story and you keep speaking words of anger. At some point, that has to stop. Are you healing in that community or just creating a group of people who despise the person who hurt you. Are you with me? You need a safe place. You need safe people. Number four, this is, I, I think, where the Bible leads us. You got to choose to forgive and then stick to your choice. Can I suggest this? Do something physical that physically is about forgiving that person. Maybe it's... Um, I don't know, we could be creative. You're going to go to the beach and you're going to go at low tide and right in the sand all the ways this person hurt you. And then you're going to be like, I forgive them. And the tide's going to come in and wash it away. And you're going to be like, that was the day I forgave. Some of you are like, I ain't going to the beach. <laughs> then write it down on a piece of paper. And you declare, God, I forgive them. And you throw it in the fire. I don't know. Maybe it's an email. Maybe you're going to do it with them face to face. Like, I'm going to tell you, this is what hurt me, and I forgive you. I don't know what it is. Maybe it's such a fragile relationship that you need someone else there with you. Like, okay. But you have to do something on a certain day that says, I forgive. Because that's where you're going to find freedom. So do something physical that will be about your forgiveness. Um, I want to be clear on this. Forgiveness doesn't require an apology. You're like, no, 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 that doesn't sound right. <laughs> like, I'm going to forgive them, but they don't have to apologize. That's reconciliation. Forgiveness is something that you declare about the past. Reconciliation is where you're going with your future with them. Reconciliation requires trust. We'll get to that next week. Forgiveness is you releasing them and releasing you in freedom. They owe you nothing. And you're like, I I'm not sure I believe that. Let me prove it to you. I think the gospel 
of Jesus Christ speaks into this. Let, let me be clear about this, and this is in your notes. How does the gospel help us understand forgiveness? And we'll conclude with this. The first is this, forgiveness doesn't require an apology because God's forgiveness came before our repentance. Let this verse hit your heart. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. Verse eight, but God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Forgiveness came from the heart of God because he loved. It's who he is. He loves people. The messed up people who hurt you. He loves them just like he loves you. And because of that, he forgave. Now, does that mean that people received forgiveness? No, but it was right there. It was readily made available before they ever apologized. Our forgiveness of people, it has to start here because of who you are in Christ. He forgave you and he invites you, forgive them. You forgive them before you ever have that conversation with them. But pastor, it's hard. I know. The depth of pain in this room, I guarantee is, we will never know. But God's forgiveness of us is so great. Forgiveness. God's forgiveness of us, it didn't require our apology first. The second part is, is this. Remorse and apologies lead to reconciliation. I mean, that takes two people, right? They must confess their sins, say they're sorry, repent for it. Romans 2.4 says this, or do you show contempt for the richness, the riches of his kindness, forbearance, and patience, not realizing God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance. God wants you to be reconciled to him. God would love if your forgiveness of someone led to a reconciliation of relationship. That's the next step. But it's not the same step. We offer forgiveness first. If there's an apology, remorse, repentance, then there can be reconciliation, possibly. That's the gospel. And for some of you, you're here today and listen, you're not a friend of God. You heard about this forgiveness and you're like, yeah, I want that. But like, you've never said, God, I want relationship with you today. I am sorry. I repent. I'm remorseful over the life I've lived apart from you. You don't even know what it's like to have God as a friend of yours. You've just been hearing a bunch of theology, a bunch of Bible lessons. And maybe today's the day that you're willing to receive forgiveness from God and start a relationship with him. When it comes to your conflicts with people, no matter how wounded it's been, I don't think reconciliation is off the table. God can heal your heart and heal their heart. And maybe there's some marriages that need to hear that today. There's some friendships that need to hear that today. There's some families. Maybe only one of you is in this room today or one of you is online watching today and God wants to bring you together again. And yet there's so many emotions that are getting in the way of that. Don't let it be your lack of forgiveness and offering that. The third part of all this is, is trust. And we'll get to that next week about like once we reconcile, what does that relationship look like? And we'll, we'll talk about that next week. But I just want to sit on this for just a minute. We'll, we'll end with this. 
How's your forgiveness and the hurt in your heart towards people? Have you forgiven? I mean, line in the sand, like this day I forgave. And yeah, you had to keep working it out. Two people in the room. Some of y'all, if you don't have a friendship with God, today's the day. He offers it to you. He took all your sin, placed it on his son on the cross. He died for it there. And he offers you reconciliation with him. Do you want to take it today? If you do, tell him that. But the second is, hey, listen, when it comes to your relationship with people, have you forgiven? Are you ready to like let this thing go because you're stuck and in bondage to it? I pray that you find freedom. Blessed is the person who hears the words of God, of Jesus, and applies them to their life. I'm going to close, ask you to close your eyes and just bow your heads. I'm just going to read this verse. I just want it to wash over us for this moment. Because there's a word in here called peace, and I just wonder if you have it. Peace with God? And do you have peace in your relationships? Just eyes closed, heads bowed. Before I read this, just a quick question. Is there anybody in this room that you need to today have friendship with God and ask for forgiveness? Can you do this right now, right where you're at? I just want you to put your hand in the air. Like I got, you knew when I talked about this two minutes ago, that's me and I need this forgiveness. Would you put your hand in the air? Like you're deciding that today. I see you, good. Anybody else? I'm looking for you. Yes, I see you. Balcony, I'm looking for you. I don't want to miss anybody. Okay. Hmm. Quick question for you. You can put your hands down. I got you. I want to invite you to pray. Jesus, I repent. I turn to you. I want relationship with you. Thank you for your son's death on the cross for me. And give your life to following him, living in relationship with him. But I'm going to ask another group of you to, today's, today's the day you need to declare something. God, I forgive them. Hey, if that's you and there's a hurt that you need to forgive, would you do this? Eyes closed, heads bowed. I want you to put your hand in the air. It's me. I need to forgive somebody. And do it right now. I see you. Go ahead, stick it up there. Wow. So God, I pray for these folks, their hands are raised, that they might take your word and they might live it out and walk it out today. God, I pray that forgiveness would be decided and chosen and maybe it would lead to a reconciliation today. God, maybe it won't, but freedom is going to be found in that forgiveness, God. Hebrews 12, 14. Make every effort to live in peace with everyone and to be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. God, may your peace rest on us. Peace with you and peace with each other. And if you want that, would you simply say, amen.